All right, what is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another day of Saber Sims DFS Office Hours. It is Tuesday, July 25th of 2023 here. Looking ahead, we have a 12-game MLB main slate later tonight, and then we also have the 3M Open teeing off on Thursday morning. So it should be plenty to talk about. Nice big slate here. But for those of you who are new here, welcome. My name is Andrew. I'm one of the coaches over here at SaberSims, the show where we go over how to use the SaberSim app, answer any and all DFS-related questions. You can post your questions one of three ways. One, you can reach us via support. Send us an email at support at sabersim.com. Post your questions live in the YouTube chat or post your questions in the Office Hours channel. In our Discord server, if you're not in our Discord and want to get signed up, there is a link in the description of this video here. Great place to be, great place to hang out, great place to learn and grow as a DFS player here. Get access to all of the individual sport channels. Get access to all of our similar Seaman lineups are release when players are scratched, when new Sims run for that updated information, etc. here. So can't say enough good things about the discord here but with that being said uh gonna get the app pulled up here and uh no questions to get us started today so if anybody is tuning in has a question something on their mind here drop it in the channel and i will get to it when um when we can but i was thinking that we just run through a build today you know since we have a little bit of time here we'll uh run a build and and talk about today's slate uh today's slate is going to be particularly interesting i saw that there are like three weather games right at lock so the yankees are in a weather game washington colorado is a weather game and atlanta and boston are also in a weather game here so thought it'd be a good opportunity to kind of talk about different ways to handle this slate uh with some of this news coming right so one of the big things always important here is that if you're playing on DraftKings and these games lock and the games get postponed, you are stuck with these players, right? You cannot swap them out. If you're playing on FanDuel and the game does not start, a pitch is not thrown, uh, what will happen is they will unlock the game if it gets postponed, and then you will be able to swap out those players, right? So you got to really think about it from a couple, couple different perspectives depending on what site you're playing on and how they handle weather games. I actually don't know how Owner's Box handles weather games. So um, if you guys are playing over on Owner's Box, Owner's Box, which I highly recommend as always here, uh, make sure that you read their rules and understand how they handle weather games here. So I think weather is going to be super important, how you decide to deal with it. You know, are any of these teams chalky? I mean, we, we look at all these team totals, Boston 5.1, Atlanta 5.7, Washington 5.2, you know, Mets 4.8. These are all, you know, pretty high team totals here. So going to be important to uh, see, you know, what is the ownership for these guys coming in at and, you know, what what decisions do you want to make about that here? So Yankees, Mets not too owned. Rockies not too owned here. Getting a little more ownership for Washington. I'm surprised Atlanta isn't more owned, like in like the 5 to 10% range. And then it looks like Boston's coming in with decent ownership as well here. So I think Atlanta-Boston is going to be a big one as to how you handle this. But uh, just want to remind you guys, the sites handle it differently. And so make sure that you are aware and can work those steps into your process here. All right. Got a couple questions rolling in here. I'm going to hit this one from Deshaun first says, what would be your rule of thumb when it comes to exposures? Like since baseball is high variance sport, what would be a good number for max exposure to a player? Okay. So had a really interesting conversation with somebody about this 
uh, yesterday from support, and they seem to uh, like the answer. They seem to get a pretty actionable takeaway from the conversation that we had. So I'm going to kind of reiterate some of the points here. Uh, basically, the question that came in yesterday, which which is very similar to this one, just kind of posed in a different way. Somebody wrote in and said, hey, you know, um, I'm getting a lot of leverage to a low-owned player. You know, what should I do? And I think somebody like uh, Jaimeer Candelario here is like probably a pretty good one-for-one uh, -one equation here. So the person was like, hey, I'm getting a lot of leverage to a loan guy. And Candelario is about 4% owned on today's slate at the moment. And we have about 50% exposure to him. So we have like plus 46% leverage here on Candelario, right? And this person was like, hey, you know, what should I do? And and for, for me, you know, what does that tell me about the player, right? That tells me that, hey, uh, this person sees this ownership. This person sees this exposure. This person sees this leverage and it makes them nervous, right? They are not sure whether they should leave it or adjust it, right? So that tells me that there's some uncertainty there, there's some uneasiness. So what I told the person was like, hey, what you need to ask yourself is when you look at this leverage, does it make you uncomfortable? And if the answer is yes, then you should lower your exposure. If you look at this leverage and it doesn't make you uncomfortable, you're fine with it, then you leave it alone, right? Um, or, you know, option three is like, hey, this guy's a really good play. You know, I, I want to be all in on them, right? That would be like the, the ultra aggressive approach, right? So there's kind of three lenses to look at these uh, situations from the like ultra aggressive, the um, kind of like middle of the road point of view, and a little bit more of the uh, risk averse approach here, right? So those are the three ways that, that I see most often here. So ask yourself that question, you know, does the exposure that you're seeing make you uncomfortable? And if it does, adjust it, right? So what I, what kind of what we got to at the end of that conversation was like, hey, process over results, regardless of what happens at the end of the slate, uh, you should feel comfortable with the lineups that you submitted and be okay with whatever the outcome ends up being here. So kind of similar here, like, hey, what would be a good number for max exposure to a player? Th there really isn't one, right? And it's going to depend, right? What is the player's ownership? Uh, if I look at two players here, Okay, if I look at Corbin Burns, you know, 40% exposure, but he's 31% owned and he's a pitcher and his range of outcomes is a lot more normally distributed, much more likely that he gets to that outcome, right? And then we look at another 40% player we have in our set, Ling Thomas here, 6% ownership. His range of outcomes is, you know, highest likely outcome is zero with this big tail event far from normally distributed, right? So I can't just tell you, hey, you know, 40% is always a good number because it depends, right? So um, look at the, look at the situations, you know, look at the details of the situation. Is this player a batter? Is this player a pitcher? What do their range of outcomes look like? Uh, what is their ownership, right? You know, is, is 40% exposure leverage or is it, uh, is it positive leverage? Is it negative leverage? Right? So all of these things kind of come into play, but I mostly want to help you guys understand what should you be looking at? What are these key indicators that can help you come to the decision that you ultimately want to come to here. So no hard and fast rules for some of these uh, questions that, that are being asked, but, but you know, these are the ways that you guys should be looking to solve the problem. These are the questions that you need to ask yourself. All right. Next question from Pope said, good afternoon. I'm playing a large amount of MLB showdown and I'm playing mainly the 20 max 
jukebox, and I'm also filtering my lines with GLMean other than checking relief pitcher game logs. What other ways can I ensure to get the best lines out there for a given slate? Uh, really good question here. So let's go over to a showdown slate. We'll talk about this uh, late night Toronto Dodgers. Usually like the last showdown of the night is usually like the biggest like price pool and stuff here. So one thing that I think that you can do is, you know, everything that you're kind of talking about here is, is, is your lineups, right? Uh, get an idea of what the field is going to do here, right? And the best way to do that is to run a build on zero, zero settings. So right off the bat, I see that the Dodgers are, uh, have about a one run total difference from Toronto here. So I'm expecting to see a lot of, uh, stacks in favor of the Dodgers. So I think run totals can tell you that, but also, uh, go, go into your settings, and just run a cash build here. It'll turn the sliders to zero, zero. You only need 40 lineups here. You don't really need a ton here. Um, this is just going to give you an idea of what a traditional optimizer optimizing based on projected points is going to give users here, right? And so I'm going to run these 40 lineups and then I'm looking for a couple key things here. So one, I want to go to team stacks and then I'm going to start at my five stacks. So there's 20% of Dodgers five ones in my pool. There's 57% of Dodgers four twos in my pool. And then there are only 20% three, three stacks here, right? So um, seeing a lot of Dodgers four twos, some Dodger five ones and a little less even stacks here, right? So what that tells me is like, Hey, a lot of people playing these contests are going to be favoring the Dodgers, right? From there. I also want to go and see, you know, who are the most popular captains that people are going to be playing. I can sort by pool here. Looks like Julio Urias and Whit Merrifield are two of the most popular captains on the slate at the moment. Uh, one thing to note here is that Whit is is projected to bat second tonight. I think he batted fifth yesterday, so just keep an eye on where he ends up coming in in the order if you're doing this research early, right? So probably best to do this type of research once lineups have been released and, and lineups are out with plenty of time to do all this and still get your lineups in, right? Usually lineups coming out two to three hours before lock time here, which is great. So get an idea of who the most popular captains are. So I'm just going to make some notes for myself here. We'll walk through this. So uh, Dodger, 4-2-5-1, popular, and then uh, Urias and Merrifield, captains. So... These are like my notes that I'm taking here. Uh, you know, what is the field going to do? So I could, I could use that a little bit. And then when I go back to the home screen, I'm just going to run my normal build as if um, as if I'm playing the slate. And where did these guys go? I just want to make sure I have my two adjustments in here. I think I do, but we'll just make two more. So then I'm going to go run my normal build, right? Zero ten settings, taking single sim, uh, taking one sim, and building the optimal lineup based on that sim and then doing that 500 times, right? So that is what Sim Diversity 10 does for us here. Um, so going to get all of these game scripts. You know, this is one of the best things. I think Showdown is uh, something that Jordan talked about in one of our recent newsletters here, just saying that, hey, with our ability to understand great game scripts, understand range of outcomes, you know, playing MLB Showdown is a great way to get edge in MLB in the second half of the season, I believe is what he said. So so from this point, right, what I like to do, come into my team stacks here, and I don't want to just flip the script completely on its head here, but what I like to do is look at how many of these unconventional stacks I'm getting. So we had a lot of Dodgers 5-1s in our cash build. 
well, how many Toronto five ones are we getting in favor of Toronto? And maybe I want to play as much of um, the same percentage as it's coming up as optimal, right? So in the single game Sims, hey, we had 10% of our Sims come back with Toronto five one being the optimal here. So I don't want to go crazy, but I want to make sure I'm getting to some of these some of these uh, stack types here, these these 5-1 stacks in favor of Toronto that the field is 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 uh, going to shy away from, right? So this is in direct opposition to what our traditional optimizer build gave us, but we have the Sims to back us up, right? The Sims are saying, hey, this construction, this stack type came up 10% of the time in our pool. So all I'm doing here is saying, hey, I want to play this at a rate that it came up in our Sims or you could be aggressive, right? You could say, hey, maybe I want to play this at 2x the rate because I know people aren't playing this stack type, right? And then I'm going to do the same thing for my four twos. Hey, I'm getting 16% Toronto. Maybe I just come in and put 15%, get my three lineups that are um, opposite that approach here. And then I'm getting a little more uh, even stacks here, right? We're at 20%, getting 28 So finding ways to use the Sims to make informed decisions about how to get different with your showdown lineups is one of my favorite things to do here, right? And I haven't even got to players yet, so pretty spread out at captain, getting some Urias, not too much, just about ownership matching at 15% here. I'm fine leaving it. Uh, actually don't even see Whit Merrifield here, so I'm just going to leave him alone here. But really spread out at the captain and, um, you know, getting getting to a lot of Urias in the utility. I think that's fine. Pitchers usually grade out pretty well here, only getting to wit in the utility. So all in all, I'm okay with these exposures here. We're only exposed uh, 65% to Urias and then nobody else over like 35% here. So I think that's fine. And, uh, you know, this would be my way of getting different on this slate. All right, Deshaun said, also I've seen previous videos from you guys talking about research builds. What is the purpose of a research build? What are you looking for in your process with the research build? Uh, do you set rules for your builds before you run your Sims or is it better to set them after? Sorry for a lot of questions. I'm new to Saberson. Deshaun, well, welcome. I'm glad you found this show. This is the right place to, to ask all of these questions. Ask as many as you want and uh, we will make sure to get to all of them here. But going to work backwards a little bit here. We're going to start with this second question. Uh, do you set rules for your builds before you run your Sims or is it better to set them after? Uh, so if you want to set a rule, you're going to have to do that in the home screen before you run your build here. Um, as far as any rules I set, so one rule I will use from time to time is, is uh, let's get rid of all these rules. These are just different rules that we've demoed over different office hours. So one rule uh, for, for what we call curating your one-offs, right? So when you're playing these 4-3-1 stacks, 5-2-1 stacks, you know, who are you allowing to be that one uh, player that is solo with no other players from their team in the lineup? And a lot of times people like to say, hey, I want this to be a power hitter. So if, if you know, the Mets only score two runs, maybe Pete Alonso hit a two-run home run and – you know, he got there, but the rest of his teammates didn't, right? That's kind of what you want. You want these guys that can get there by themselves. You don't want these guys who score in a team environment, get on base, and somebody else hits them in, and then, you know, that player gets a run, great, but somebody else got a hit in an RBI, and then now you're losing, you know, those those five points, those seven points, however many, uh, from not having that stack, right? So you kind of, uh, a lot of people like to curate 
their one-offs to be uh, a little more power hitter types. So one way you can do that is if you do a group rule automatic, and then you say if at least one player from a team. Uh, in order to do this rule, you have to be you have to be able to see the player stats here. So if you are on a plan where you cannot see the players' uh, statistics here then you're not going to be able to set this rule, just so you guys know. So if you can see home runs, if I go to batters, you can see these detailed stats, you could use the detailed stats. So that's one caveat with this rule. So group, automatic, if at least one player from a team had a stat requirement whose home runs are less than, we'll say, 0.15, then use at least two players from the same team. So what I'm saying is like, hey, um, if I'm using somebody with, less than 0.15 home runs across the Sims here. I want to use them in at least a three stack here. And then I'm going to save that rule. I'll save it as manual so I can show you guys. So going to create 24 rules here, one for each team. And then what it's going to go do, it's going to go look at the players in Texas's lineup and then said, hey, um, if I'm using one of these five guys in the primary player uh, box here, then I must use at least two players from this other secondary slot and I must use at least two of them. So it's doing that for every single team here. And then we can kind of uh, go into our, go to the homepage, sort by home runs. And then we can see where we made that cutoff, right? We made it at 0.15 and then I could go down to that point and then see if that, uh, you know, just see if those players pass the eye test for me, everyone above that threshold. Right. So that is, that is one like baseline rule that people come in and ask, hey, you know, what, what's a good rule for baseball? This is something that I will offer to people, but by no means do you need to use it. I, I don't always use it. I use it sometimes, but um, I've, I've, I've gotten away from it a little bit here. And second question was, I've seen in previous video, videos talking about a research build. What is it and what are you looking for? So great question here. So what a research build is, it's a term that we coined basically to describe a build where you turn correlation all the way down to zero and you turn sim diversity either to 10 or to nine here for these big MLB classic slates, you know, big 12 game slate. I like to run this at zero nine. And the difference here is like, as we talked about with showdown at zero 10, what we were doing, what we would do if we ran a build at zero 10 for the main slate here is we would go and grab one sim from each game put them all together to create a single slate simulation. We would sim out each game and then we would build the best lineup possible from that one slate simulation. And then we would go and grab a one new sim for each game, create a second slate simulation. And then that would be your second lineup and then your third lineup. And we would do that process until you had 500 lineups here. So that's how that would go. But getting back to this here, uh, that's zero 10. If you get zero nine, at 0-9, we're not just going to take one one uh, game simulation. We're going to take a small group of simulations. That might be uh, three sims per game. That might be five sims per game. I don't know the exact number here, but we are um, the reason we're doing that is is the reason I like that a little bit better is because we don't need the optimal lineup to win an MLB Classic slate. We don't need the highest scoring lineup possible. We just need the winning lineup. And a lot of times, you know, in, in baseball specifically, you're never going to get close to that optimal lineup, right? You're just, you just need to beat the other lineups in your contest. So by taking these small simulations uh, or small sets of simulations, we're still accounting for upside players still need to do good. But if you have that one random player 
on a team who just goes off, you know, that player is going to sneak into more lineups when we're only taking one sim of a game. But when we're taking three or five, that player needs to do good across those five sims. They can't only do good one because it's going to average out to where they don't end up in your lineup, right? If they have one good sim and then four bad sims, right? So uh, you get a little bit more player curation by taking these small subsets of sims here. So that's why I like 0-9 overall. But from this build, right? Let's say that we run it. I'm just going to use the build that we ran. We'll talk about some of the similar concepts. So so you run, you run the 0-9 build. You get to the post build here, and then uh, one thing that I that I tell people to do when you running a research build, increase the number of lineups box to your pool here, to the number of lineups in your pool. So I'm just going to match these two numbers, the pool with the number of lineups here, and then I'm going to come in here. I'm going to sort by leverage, and I want to see who are the players that we have the most positive leverage to in our research build, and who are the players that we have the most negative leverage to, and you can look at this on a player level for players. I like to do this for mo mostly pitchers here. You could go into your team stacks and you can look at the stack pool exposure, see um, who, who you have the most exposure to as a team. Another thing I like to do is come into the individual stack types here. So having, you know, 20% of Cleveland and 20% of Atlanta look about the same, right? But what if 15% of the stack pool exposure to Atlanta was coming in your two stacks, right? And then what if 15% of the stack pool exposure to, what was the other team we said? Cleveland was coming in your five stacks, right? So that would tell me that, hey, although Cleveland and Atlanta look the same in the alt tab, Cleveland's actually a much better stack because they're showing up as five stacks where a lot more of the players in the lineup are being used. And Atlanta is more of a secondary stack showing up with a lot of two stacks, three stacks, something like that. So uh, coming into the individual stack tab, seeing which teams are coming up the most often, seeing what stack types are being used most, right? So looks like we 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 prefer a five stack here at least, right? So 13%, five, one, one, one. Five threes are 25%, five twos are 38%, right? And then we don't have a four stack over 11%. So um, not to say that you shouldn't play zero four stacks, but we are just going to favor five stacks on this slate here. And then this build was run with correlation 10. So, you know, that's that's going to um, increase the amount of stacks that we're getting here when we are stacking those correlation coefficients on top of each other within a team here. So uh, correlation will lead to you getting a lot more bigger stacks, but you can also see what, what kind of uh, stack combinations are coming up in your research build. I would, I would tread lightly there because by turning correlation all the way down to zero, you might just see some smaller stacks in general here. But that just tells me that, hey, when you see five stacks, four stacks of teams with correlation off, that just tells me they're probably even a better play because even without that correlation boosting them up, they're still showing up uh, heavily stacked. So I think that's another really good uh, point to, to take with you into your research builds. All right. Uh, good questions there. Let me know if you have any follow-up. Question for Samuel. Uh, risk management is something I struggle with. Knowing when to go over or under a player has been a struggle for me. How do you handle this? Honestly, uh, a lot of the times I just trust the Sims here. So when, when I come into a slate, you know, and I get into the post build, let's say I'm building 20 lineups, right? So let's say I'm building 20 lineups. I have 77 players in my player pool. I'm not trying to have a big impact on this set of lineups and exposures in the post build, I'm really looking for like three to five places 
even, you know, one to five places where I feel I can add some value and help the builder get to more of the plays that I want, right? So I'm not trying to come in here and like, okay, I'm going to adjust this guy up, this guy down. You're going to do that for 10 to 15 guys. I'm, I'm, I'm starting with this right to left approach, which we talk about, right? Starting with mini uniques over here, increasing this, and then um, going over to my stack types. Just going to scroll down here, going over to my stack types, seeing if I'm getting the stacks I want, all five stacks. I'm good with that. Going over to my team stacks, you know, do I have too much exposure to any one team? Might have a little too much exposure to Washington for, for my preference here. Washington is like our seventh highest stack pool exposure. We're getting to them 50% of the time here. So this might be like a little much for me. I'm going to walk this down a little bit, maybe like 35% um, kind of subjective arbitrary number I chose. But that's that's one adjustment I made, right? And then I'm going to come into my players. I'm going to look at two things. I'm going to look at all my batters. No batter over 30%. I'm fine with that. And then going to look at my pitchers here. And then getting to a lot of Blake Snell and Michael Kopech here with four pitchers being used total. I think it's okay if you want to lower Kopech a little bit here. 8% owned, 50% exposure. Me, I'm a little more on that aggressive side that we talked about at the beginning of the show. So I'm okay with this overall here. Uh, but this is one spot that you can make an adjustment, right? And and from there, you know, what did I do? I adjusted my mini uniques and I managed my risk to Washington. Those, those were two adjustments I made. I probably wouldn't make any more adjustments from there. The only thing that I might do is increase my mini uniques a little bit higher here just because I'm only at lineup 40. And if I can get more diversity here by not going too far in my pool, I'd be fine with that, right? But, but in this build, I made two adjustments and I didn't really do too much um, on a, on a player level, right? I did it on a, uh, lineup level with my diversity and then with the, on a stack level, right? So kind of got to figure out what, what you want to do here, but I would say that there, there's probably a point where, uh, you can do too much. So try and really focus on like three to five spots, one to five spots, even where you feel that, Hey, I can help Saber Sim get me closer to what I want here and, and let the builder do the rest, right? One of the big pitches with us is that, Hey, we save you time. You do not have to come in here, set a bunch of rules, set a bunch of group rules. Um, you know, all these different combinations of, of stacks and all these things, uh, we handle that for you and, and you can make minor adjustments here, save yourself a lot of time and have competitive lineups, right? So that that's all I'm really looking to do here. Okay, Pope said, you say you say that you use that rule from time to time. How do you decide when? So this is a good question. Um, you know, I think it's a fine rule to use all the time if that's something that you care about. Truthfully, uh, I trust the builder a lot. You know, I've had a lot of success, it looks like, and uh feels feels like a while, but been using SaberSim a while had a lot of success with it um, being, you know, on the team and just understanding all of the updates and, and all the work that the models team does with Eric, with Will, uh, with Matt overseeing all of that work is just, uh, you know, something, something that just blows my mind every single day. And so I think it's a fine rule. If you want a rule, if you want to, um, if you want to ver make sure that, you know, your one-offs are the players that have that home run expectation, I, I'm okay, you know, I, I've grown to trust the builder so much that even if a player is a, a little less likely to hit a home run, 
I'm still okay playing them here. So it really just comes down to uh, how much do you trust the builder, right? And if you want to just set that rule and forget it, I think it's fine. But um, there are a lot of successful players that I talk to that don't set any rules at all. And and um, I, don't, I don't think it's I don't think it's necessary, but I think it's a fine addition to your process. So at the beginning of the season, I was just leaving it on and, and running my builds. In the second half of the season, I've, I've um, if I forget to turn it on, it's fine. If I if I remember to turn it on, it's fine. So um, not it's it's more of like a nice to have, but but not a uh, necessity in a, in a sense. My car said, "Do you use the home run rule on FanDuel as well for a one-off?" Uh, yeah, I think it works fine. I think it works fine. You know, I look at it more as like a stack type, right? So FanDuel, you can only use four players in a lineup, but you're still running, you know, four three ones, right? Or uh, even a uh, even like a uh, three two two one. So so it's it's something that you can account for. I think on any site here, owners box as well. You know, they have you can stack up to seven players from the same team. I believe there. All right, Pope said, what about leveraging the exposure in lineups to batters who bat lower in the lineup because of salary, 3K batters batting eighth or ninth? Um, yeah, so, so okay, so th- this gets interesting, right? So I like using batters that are 7, 8, 9 here in general. I think a lot of people don't use them or, or kind of shy away from them. So so one of my favorite things to do is go go on the home screen, you know, kind of get an idea of what exp- what what ownership looks like for the night. And I'll usually just look at like the top five teams based on run total here. So if you go to home screen, you go to team stacks, you go to projected runs, you can sort descending here. I'll usually go and look at like the top five teams based on run total here. Looks like San Francisco is the highest. And I'll look at I'll I'll try and identify, you know, who's the chalkiest stack tonight. And it looks like it's clearly um clearly San Francisco, right? Like some of these guys pushing 20%, Wilmer Flores to be uh, a good example here. So I'm I, I'm not of the thinking like, oh, you know, San Francisco is going to be high owned. You know, I don't want to play them. My, my thinking is like, hey, you know, maybe San Francisco is going to be a good play tonight. How do I play them in an unconventional way where I can play them, but other people are not going to play them in this way, right? And one of the best ways to do that is to, work in some of those seven, eight, nine guys into your builds, right? A lot of people want to play, you know, one through six hitters and, and stack those guys, right? So probably going to see a lot of, a lot of Matos. I would say that his ownership probably goes up a little bit here um, in, in the sixth spot, 2,700. So really, really cheap. Um, and, and his projection is at 8.48, right? So just, just thinking about ways other people are going to play this slate, right, is, is one of the best things you can do. So then when I would go into my build, if I'm playing some San Francisco, you know, I, okay, so so in the post build here, one thing that you can do when you come into this build, let's say I want to play San Francisco, right? So I'm going to go to my team stacks and maybe I want to be over the field on San Francisco. So getting to about 20% of them, maybe I want to get to 40%, right? Maybe I want to, I want to, uh, value San Francisco. So one thing I could do, go to my players, go to all batters, and then I can sort by team here. And then I can search in the search bar for SF. And then now this will bring up all of the SF players here. And then I can see what my exposure is to them across the lineup. So 35% to the five hitter, only one lineup, 5% with the eight hitter. 30% to Matos in the six hole, no exposure to the four batter exposure to three, no exposure to nine, 
10% to 7, 5% to the two hitter, no exposure to the leadoff. So getting a lot of exposure to Matos in the sixth, which I thought would happen, and then Bailey in the five hole, right? Maybe I want to uh, use no more than, we said 40%. So maybe I want to, I don't want to use any more than 20% to any individual San Francisco batter, but I want to use 40% total stacks across my lineups. So, okay, so not able to meet it. Let's try 25 to Matos. Try 30 tomatoes, 35. So having a little trouble getting to them here, what I would probably have to do is go back to the home screen and make some adjustments to my build, uh, to, to my team total if I wanted to do this. But, but basically this is the process, right? This is how you figure out, hey, you know, can I get to more of the lineup as a whole, right? And that's increasing the nine-hole exposure, increasing the seven-hole exposure. So looking at it this way is one of my favorite ways to, to try and find a way to get leverage on a chalky team by using all nine hitters. But good question there. Samuel B said, I'm not familiar with this home run rule. I have to rewatch the video. Yeah, it's just it's just like a basic rule here um, to... to uh, you know, by no means you have to use it. Like I said, it's kind of a nice to have. It's something that has come up a, a lot in the past. People wanting to make sure that their one-offs have a good chance of getting there by themselves, i.e. being able to hit a home run and get all the 14 points. If you're playing on DraftKings, you know, get all, all of your points in, in one swing of the bat there. Uh, Pope said, can you recap our notes for showdowns? Like I write them down, huh? please. And thank you. Uh, what you can do is you can just rewind the video here. If you're watching live, you can just, uh, Take that scroll bar and rewind it back. And then also, just so you guys know, we do stream this show on Twitter, YouTube, and then we post the streams after the show on all podcast plat platforms, um, Spotify, Google, Amazon. You can find our podcast. And if you go to the YouTube channel, you go to playlists, and then you scroll down here, we have an office hours playlist. You just click view full playlist. These are all of our past office hours shows. One great thing that we do after the show, one, we, you know, we put a title here and then you can go into the show and then in the description, we go and timestamp all of the topics that we talked about here. So we're going to put a hyperlink to uh, different points in the video where if you see, you know, this will probably say, and we'll be showdown tomorrow or, um, you know, something else we talked about home run rule or things like that. So, uh, we have somebody go in a uh, shout out to Madison who, who goes in and timestamps all these videos and uh, get you guys the information you need. So you can just come into the video, watch the snippets that you need or want to rewatch and, and go about your day. So we try to make it really convenient for you guys here. All right. Again, Saberson pulled back up. And those are all the questions in the YouTube chat at the moment. I got one question here in the Office Hours channel. So if anybody has any last questions, now is a great time to get those in. Uh, question here from SunFam. Question says, Andrew, can you go over the sorting methods after running a sim from a build ROI, win rate, cash rate, etc. on the beta? Do you know any rules of thumb when utilizing these metrics, depending on, for example, MLB smaller or larger slates? Okay, so this is a question about the beta version of SaberSim. If you guys aren't aware, we are testing a new version of the app. If you guys are on the pro plan, 
you guys can test out the app. Um, you can just sign in beta.sabersim.com here. So basically what happens here is that when we run a contest sim, um, you, you get a couple of new summary statistics underneath each item. It's ROI, win rate, cash rate, and uh, ROI standard deviation. So what those what's happening, right, is we are taking each lineup, putting it in a contest sim against the field lineups that we um, that we have for you guys. And then we are running the contest sim, you know, I think the default is like 20,000 times. And then we are seeing how your lineup, uh, what, what rank it got, what payout it got. And then we are summarizing what is the ROI of the lineup across all 20,000 contest simulations. So what is the return on investment, right? How much money did this lineup win on average? And then the win rate is how often did it win? How many, how many, um, times from the 20,000 did that lineup win first place? And then how many times did that lineup get across the cash line, right? So the cash rate, the cash line is usually top 20% of a contest here. So how, how, what percentage of the time did that lineup get over the cash rate? And then the ROI standard deviation is going to be basically like the range of outcomes for the lineup. Um, the, the, the larger the standard deviation, the more uh, boomer bust kind of the lineup is. And then the lower the standard deviation, the, uh, the, the more likely it is to kind of achieve some of those outcomes that it's talking about. And uh, the lineup overall is probably just a little less swingy in general from the contest sims. Okay. Next question here from Pope. Can you go over contests? for small contests with odd number of entries, like 14 or seven or two, and how to go about that. Also, what about entries that are on the fringe of each entry? Uh, 1,079 entry, should I trust it? Okay, great question. So so here, what I like to do is a couple different things, right? So let's say I'm playing, let's say I'm playing a 14 max, like you said here. Usually what I'll do is I'll just round up. And the reason for that is that if I'm playing a three max, that is, you know, one to 10 K entries. My sliders are going to be nine, six here. If I go to a 20 max, my 20 max sliders are usually always going to be higher or the same. So that means that, um, what we are optimizing for is a higher upside outcome here. We are, uh, either, you know, using more correlation or using more SIM diversity to find higher upside lineups, higher upside lineups are never going to hurt you, right? They are only going to optimize for lineups that have a higher chance of scoring a higher fantasy point score. When you are using, when you're doing the opposite, when you're using smaller sliders, sliders, we are optimizing for an environment where you might not need as high of a fantasy score to win your contest, right? So I think always leaning on the higher side here is probably best practice. Or you can just pick something close, right? If you're doing seven entries, you can do 20 max or you can do a three max. Um, kind of up to your discretion. These sliders aren't going to change a ton here, but I do prefer leaning on the higher side. And then same thing for entries, right? If it's 1,079 entries, it's like, well, you know, it's kind of close to 100 to 1K, but it technically falls in the 1K to 10K range. I would just lean on the higher side and play the 1K to 10K. So 14 max, 1,079 entries. I'd probably just set it to 20 max, 1 to 10K. All right. Um, Question from Deshaun, but I'm going to hit this one from Samuel first. I've never adjusted the sliders manually. Am I at a disadvantage? Great question. And the answer is no. So we actually uh, don't recommend adjusting the sliders unless you're doing it very intentionally here. But that is because we backtest these sliders. We have 
historical contest data for you know tons and tons of contests here and then we go and do back testing to figure out what are the best slider settings for different contests here and we actually did an entire behind the sim series on this topic here so if you go to the youtube channel you go to playlists so gonna go back question here so if they were going to go back to here slate turn this off so if you go to podcasts actually sorry behind the sims if you go to viewful podcast it was this contest simulation that ultimately ended up in new default sliders here so this new default sliders is the uh basically end here of this entire series so this is actually a really long series here uh episode six through episode 13 um this is like if you're interested in how we came up with the new sliders and looking into um these are so the behind the sims podcast is a peek behind the curtain to the conversations and the work that we're doing that lead us to making adjustments to things in the app right so very good series here a lot of conversation between, I believe it was Elijah, Matt, and Jordan here around all of the backtesting and things we ran into, things that we um, um, found out throughout that testing. And then new default sliders is is our um, like end here. And then we have ask us anything about Saber Sims new sliders. So then this is like a Q&A about anything that we did along this way that users had questions about. So um, this is a great peek behind the curtain if you're interested in how we come up with that. But just this alone is at least like five hours of content. So I think that, you know, just knowing that we do this and, and make this available for users uh, should should make you feel comfortable about leaving the sliders where they are. I think they're great. I do not adjust them manually myself. All right. Uh, jumping back to this question from Deshaun said, is there a way to see on SaberSim? If a player is more boomer bust, last question, Ella, I'm going to have to start watching live more. This was very informative. Yeah, man. Happy to help out. Um, so the best way to see if a player is like, quote unquote, like more uh, boomer bust is going to be to look at their range of outcomes, right? So if I were to go to my pitchers here, and I'm just going to sort by projection. If I were to go and look at any pitcher here, if I look at Blake Snell, he has this nice bell-shaped curve, right? This tells me that, hey, his most likely outcome is about 25 points right around his projection here. And he has, in and all of his next highest outcomes fall right within, uh, right on the outskirts of that range, right? And then if I were to go and look at somebody like our highest projected batter, Ronald Lacuna Jr., his highest outcome is probably closer to five points here. And he has this big tail event to the right here where the reason his projection is 11.5, it's not because he's getting that projection often. He's only getting to it about 10% of the time, but he has all of these one and 2% outcomes that shift his mean up because sometimes he hits two home runs and has a double. He has these really high outcome games. So looking at this graph is one way to do it. The second way to do it, this is probably the better way to do it. We created this metric called adjusted ownership. Basically what it does is it looks at the player's ownership and then it looks at the player's range of outcomes and then it assigns them a new ownership value where if the builder determines that this player's range of outcomes is very wide, the disparity between adjusted ownership and contest ownership, the Saberson ownership is going to be higher. So our highest projected hitter here, Ronald Acuna, has an adjusted ownership of 27% and a Saberson ownership of about 20% here. So about 7% disparity. And if we go back to Blake Snell, 
his adjusted ownership is 32% and his Saberson ownership is 30%. So even though his ownership is higher, the disparity is lower. So that is our way of saying, hey, you know, Blake Snell much more likely to achieve this outcome that his average projection is. And then one, one way to do this, you know, increase the Saberson ownership to Blake Snell's. So I'm going to take Acuna, bump him from 20% to 30% to match Snell. So Snell's difference was 2%. When Acuna is 30% owned, the, when, when you make an adjustment to the ownership, the adjusted ownership is going to change as well. So Acuna's new adjusted ownership at a contest ownership of 30% goes all the way up to 44%. So a 14% disparity here. So Saber Sam is saying, hey, you know, this guy's this guy's range of outcomes is really wide. Uh, we want to inflate his ownership here. And the reason we're inflating it is because in Saber Score, in the Saber Score formula, we are using a negative weight on average adjusted ownership. We are looking at the entire lineup. We are looking at the the average adjusted ownership value here. And then we are taxing each lineup that has a high adjusted ownership. So if you go into Saber Score, if you go to your sorting metrics, go to Saber Score, click this little eye icon. That's not what I meant to do. Click the eye icon. You can see the Saber Score formula. It is three variables, some projection on the lineup, 99th percentile of the lineup, and a negative weight on average adjusted ownership. What this does is it hurts lineups that have a high adjusted ownership. So all of those lineups with Acuna, you're going to get less exposure to them because of this variable. That is our way of saying, hey, you know, this guy's average projection is really high, but his adjusted ownership is really high because of the disparity in his range of outcomes. So let's not put too many lineups with Acuna into your set of lineups that you take with you into your contest. So that is our way of guarding against that range of outcomes for you without you having to even think about it. Samuel said, definitely 100% interested. I'm going to watch that series tools can only be as good as a person behind them. Yeah, no, 100%. And, and the more you know about the tools, the more you can leverage them and use them to your advantage, right? So that's another great reason to understand what they do here. But really good questions. Uh, we are all caught up with questions at the moment. While I wait for any last questions to come in here, just want to remind you guys, I mentioned at the beginning of the show, but if you guys are not playing over on Owner's Box, I would highly recommend taking advantage of our promotion. We partnered with Owner's Box at the beginning of the MLB DFS season. They are an up-and-coming DFS site, and because they are trying to grow, a lot of their contests are overlaying. Uh, you can find contests where they are not feeling to the point where your $5 entry becomes $6, and they are paying you to play by the time the contest locks. Find rake-free contests, reduced rate contests, and the user base is generally going to be softer than what you're going to find on DraftKings, FanDuel, or Yahoo here. Similarly, when you use promo code Saber or SaberSim when you sign up, one, you can get a, up to a $500 deposit bonus, and two, we will track your entry fees for you. And once you hit one of these entry fee uh, tiers, you can earn free months of SaberSim just by playing on the site and nothing else nothing else. So each time you hit one of these tiers, we will reach out to you, tell you, Hey, you have earned a free month of Saber Sim. You can wait till the next tier. Or once you cash in on that tier, we will reset your tracking to zero. And then you will start earning towards your next free month right away. There is no limit on the amount of free months you can earn while this promotion lasts. So take advantage of it while you can, but great show, everybody. A long show today I was a little worried. We started the show with no questions. So really appreciate everybody tuning in, asking questions. You guys are awesome. You guys make this show uh, continue to roll. I'm always happy to 
stick around and answer questions while they continue to come in. But if you guys are building lines throughout the day, new question pops in your head, drop it in the office hours channel or drop it in the chat for the upcoming streams on the YouTube channel. You can see our upcoming shows for the week. You can just jump in the chat, drop it in there, and it'll stay in there until the show starts. That gets us a steady queue of questions to get started with at the beginning of our next show. But until tomorrow, take care. Good luck in your contest. I will see you all. Thanks. Bye.